Hello, thank you for joining us. This is What Counts by Trailblazer Consulting. In this podcast, we highlight proven solutions that we have developed through our experience working with companies across various industries. And we talk about how you can apply them to your company. We share our experience working with companies to solve their information management challenges. We tackle records retention schedules, program implementation and training, and more complex challenges like asset data management. This is Lee, and in this episode, Moore and I are going to talk about a bunch of risks that we have found doing some assessments, get into probably one, maybe two risks, and what recommendations we can give you to solve some of those risks. How do you feel about that, Moore? Well, I had to start laughing, Lee, uh, but I was on mute, um, because Usually we know exactly what the plan is for the day and when which episode we're talking about. And we've narrowed it down to try and fit it into, into our podcast framework. Um, and I think what happened today is you and I started talking back and forth. Okay, it made perfect sense in our outline that we would go from the assessment to the framework to the risks, which drive the priorities for the recommendations. And it still makes sense. But we, we ran into a real world problem. When we start thinking about the risks that we uncover during assessments, it's usually more than one or two. And, <laughs> to say and the least. Have to work, and we end up working with our clients on, okay, you got all these things that we have to worry about. Some of them fit together nicely and the solutions are going to address more than one thing, um, which is one of the powers, I think, of our framework, because we come at a problem from different directions, technology, policy, process, people, all at the same time. But when you try to break it down and let's have one conversation about risk, yeah, that's a lot. (laughs) It's hard to fit that in. So I think we should just dive in and talk about the different categories of risk that we were just talking about and where do we go next? So that sounds like a plan. This is not just consulting speak, you know, to two people going into an organization saying we have to find something because we have to find work. These are real world problems that that a lot of organizations have. Um, and the prioritization is a real world problem also in terms of how do you and what do you prioritize to tackle first? It is. And I would say that we face this ourselves in our own company. Where do we where do we spend our time? Is it on just churning out work for the client that's in front of us? Or is it on organizing our documentation? We are a records management company. We do have a structure, um, but making sure that we keep that up to date because we're always running so hard in the, you know, the direction of our clients' priorities. So what we're talking about here, yes, we've learned it as consultants, but if we were in-house and any of you in our audience who are in-house trying to figure out what to do first, same lessons, same processes apply. Okay, so let's just talk about one of the, you know, the elephant in the room kind of risk, actually. Every single assessment we have, every single time we talk to a new company, what comes out? Email. Email's a problem, yes. Email's Uh, a problem. (laughs) People use it as their filing system, period. This is what I depend on. And in a completely contradictory sense, people think of email as a conversation. And so you have, I can't live without it. 
And it means nothing. I don't have any records there. And very few people on the, you know, the first time you point that out, think that's contradictory. But when you start trying to figure out what are we going to do about email, those two things require completely different responses. If it's a record and I can't live without it, then we should save it, every bit of it. On the other hand, you can't find anything if we just let everybody save all their emails. On the other hand, because I have three hands, um, if you... (laughs) I got one. I'll lend it to you. Thanks. (laughs) If you... um, If it's a conversation and it's not important and you don't have records, then we should get rid of it completely. And so that's just user perspective, right? It's critical. I can't live without it. It's nothing. Please don't ask me about it. Then you bring in IT and IT says, whoa, performance issues, storage issues. We got to get rid of this stuff. We should just impose a roll off and if IT is not talking to anybody, you might come in one day and at, and hidden in the top of the header of your message, it's going to say, this message will be deleted in three years or six months or tomorrow, whatever, whatever IT sets. You have, then you got legal coming up and saying, hold up, email is the first thing we look at whenever there is a legal hold, wherever there's a litigation or a discovery or an audit, everybody wants us to go look at email. So I mean, it's like the perfect storm of risk problems, <laughs> but it's only one of the risks we run into <laughs> Sure. in assessments. And we're, and we're not talking about the emails that invite people to lunch or there's a celebration in the break room and so forth and so on, or, you know, let's all meet on the, the web call so that we could celebrate this person's birthday. We're talking about the ones that have the specs in the email itself right? And saying, we should do this project. And then there's an attachment to it that gives you full details of a report or something to that extent. I mean, that's the significant email. It is a significant email, but you know what? The email system doesn't differentiate. And when IT sets a roll off based on time only or storage limits, like you can't send email if if your email box goes above 50 gigs and your email box includes deleted mail and sent mail, not just what you see in the inbox. I, the, the email system can't tell you which ones are significant. And that's part of the problem. And actually, to me, that, that ends up being a theme in a lot of the risks we see is people, when you're looking at something, we intuitively know this is important, this isn't. Or we know when we say oh, I want to talk about, what did they call Microsoft's Windows project? Then they call it Project Chicago or something. So when they were saying, it's true, um, when they were saying Chicago, they meant the project because they all knew what they were talking about. Anybody going back years later and looking at emails or documents that were talking about Chicago would be like, why was Microsoft so focused on the Windy City? Um, So it's all about that context. People in a conversation can quickly reach agreement on that context, and we know what we're talking about. We each know what we're talking about. Lee, when you and I were talking before this meeting, you started talking about data. We should talk, we should do data first. We should do data first. And it actually took me a minute to realize that you weren't talking about master data issues, which is one of the other big risks we find. You were talking about the component of our framework that's around data and content. Right. 
but it only took you like one, one, you know, two words to get, to get me on the right page. But if we were two computers trying to have that conversation, that connection between what does data mean over here in where computer number one sent it out and was talking about the framework versus what does data mean over here where computer number two is trying to talk about data dictionaries and data definitions, the computer can't rationalize that. And I think when we start, we get into to these risks where we're in, in this explosion of information, especially electronic, electronically stored information, information in databases, in email, in electronic documents. The gap between what two humans can connect on and agree about quickly and what a computer system can do with that information is huge. And when you start thinking about solutions and change management and changing the behaviors of how people in companies use information, create it, store it, share it, dispose of it, that gap is critical. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. So we started with there's a, a conversation on all of the risks. I, I do think we should throw out uh, a number of them here uh, so that we can just kind of spark people's interest in this episode as well. Some of them are related to the email, you know, the manual process as you're talking about, you know, there's the system that can decide and then there's the person that has to decide. What else? What do you do with all of the old emails? Uh, what do you do with all the old information that's out there? So a back file becomes a problem. Do you start from one point forward and organize things from day day whatever going forward? And now what do you do with everything that's back file? Yeah. What other what's, ones do you What's the risk with just getting rid of it? What's the cost of keeping it? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Your favorite risk that you always bring up, Lee, is workarounds when different parts of the business figure out a way around the main process, around the main system. People do that because the main thing, the central thing, isn't working for them. It's just not convenient. It's not giving them the data that they're looking for. So they create an additional spreadsheet or an additional access database. Um, one of the episodes, we talk about an enterprise information map and and we're talking about uh, trying to capture all the systems that are in your organization just to get an idea of what's out there. But that may not even include some of these additional databases and spreadsheets that are out there that people do create because the main systems, again, just not working for them. And so the thing is, once people have created these side repositories, these shadow repositories, or they've gotten a contractor to sell them a system and they're hosting data completely outside your network, you don't even know about it. And so when we find those in our assessment process where we highlight them, we're like, this is, this is a risk, but it also points you to, okay, over here in the main, in the central repository, the thing we thought was going to work, the thing that was set up to be the place where this information was saved, was being saved and managed and collaborated on and everything. There's a problem over there because people wouldn't be coming up with a workaround if that thing was working right. And so, because people aren't doing this just for the fun of it, they're doing it to get their job done. And whatever system or process has been put in place by you know, IT or 
the records program or whoever, it's not working for them. And it creates this reliance on the spreadsheet itself. It creates a reliance on the individual who created the spreadsheet because they might be the only one that knows where it is. They're the only one that knows where it is. And they're the only one who knows what it means. Right. How it I works. Mean, right. You're always telling me how my spreadsheets are um, very not. different than mine. So, <laughs> exactly. Very different than mine. They have very different approaches to spreadsheet creation. And that's true for a lot of people. If you just start start building a spreadsheet and you don't have that whole context in mind, your column headings might not actually provide enough information. So uh, we are, uh, we could go on all day talking about risks. I do want to just throw out a couple of more for the list here. And then I think over the next few episodes, we might dive into some of these because there are different approaches that we've seen work, different ideas that you can take away for how to tackle some of them. So a couple other that I had on my list, contract management. So Contracts are the lifeblood of most organizations. There are contracts that manage services, contracts that manage the purchase of equipment or the purchase of supplies, contracts for financing, contracts for lease agreements, for real estate, for building something. Contracts really underlie a large part of American business and any given organization. And what I, I've seen two things about contract management in multiple companies. One is they are often spread out across the company. Even if there's a central contract admin or commercial services group, they sometimes have a narrow scope and they only handle revenue agreements. They only handle the sales agreements. They don't handle the services or the purchase agreements. Or you let the construction team handle all the construction agreements and they're separately managed from the rest of the services. So that's one thing is you've got separate repositories, separate rules, separate management of these different types of contracts. The other thing is almost universally, it's changing slowly, but most people think about the contract and they picture a document. It might be an electronic document, but they're really picturing the document. It's a package and it's got all these terms and agreements and everything. If you're going to manage any data about it, it's probably metadata being managed in a system in a repository where you can search maybe by the counterparty or the contract number or the expiration date or something like that. But fewer people have gotten to the level of really using a contract management system or a database to manage the terms of the agreement, the obligations, what's supposed to be delivered or performed under this agreement, um, what kind of notifications are required or what are the thresholds where you have to do something or the other guy has to do something. And to impose that data management on these documents is a shift in how you manage things. So that's one I want to throw out there. And the other one that I want to throw out is... um, collaboration tools. And this one's really grown up a lot in the past year with the pandemic and everyone working remotely. We've had half a dozen people call us and ask, what do I do with my Zoom recordings? Should I record my Zoom calls? Uh, is that a good idea, a bad idea? They're huge when I record them. What should I, you know, how long do I have to keep them? 
And so there's Zoom calls, there's team chats, there's collaborate, any kind of collaboration space where you're storing files and people can edit at the same time or comment. You have one-on-one chats or group chats, all those things. That is a change in the way we work and it is causing the creation of different types of records. And you have to look at that and figure out, okay, I can't pretend that that's like a conversation because real information is being exchanged. Decisions maybe are being made there. And a lot of initial implementations of Teams or Jabber or Slack, they're all um, very casual. We'll just roll that off after 30 days. Well, what if that's the only place the decision is captured and it becomes and it becomes a problem later. You don't know why, why you've gone down this path. So that whole collaborative environment is causing a change in how we manage information. And it's going very fast. <laughs> so that's a big risk area that I see emerging. I agree wholeheartedly. And you had mentioned something in there. How long do I keep the Zoom recordings or the call recordings and so forth? That implies that an organization actually cares about getting rid of things in an appropriate manner, one, but also at an, in an appropriate time frame. So therefore, they might have a retention schedule. And some organizations don't have a retention schedule. That's a problem in itself. Some organizations have a retention schedule, it's outdated, and it's not used. That's a huge problem. So I just, I might as well sneak another issue in there while, while I had a chance. Yep. Good job. You got the keep everything forever mindset um, (laughs) thrown in there along with the corollary of we have a retention schedule and we apply it to our paper records and offsite storage. And uh, that's pretty common. Right. But not to anything else, but not to anything else. And paper records are, um, easy to see. <laughs> they're, they're very concrete. Let's apply it over there because we know how to do that. Everything else, that's harder. And oh, that's, that's not really records, but we need it every day. We use it every day. <laughs> can't, can't live without it. So we got a lot more to talk about, but we're going to call it quits for today. Um, just give you, leave you with some things to think about. Looking at the risk coming out of your assessments, is not a, this is not a trivial task. This is not just list them out and then go attack them one by one. It's really, this is where the work comes in. Think about everything you've learned and where do we go from here? And I look forward to talking about that in the next few episodes. Excellent. Any questions, please give us an email at info at trailblazer.us.com. That's info at trailblazer.us.com. Thank you again, and please listen to our next episode. All right. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.